We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. of us i'm excited to be here welcome in it is uh tuesday which means you get the vaunted ask the obr for the final time guys we are going to be pushing into dueling mock drafts starting next week but nonetheless excited to be here excited to have a, a final well we may do one more of these leading up to the draft or after never say never something of this sort you never say never i'm lucky privileged honored to be joined by andrew spade Live from the fish tank. What's up, Andrew? Jake, uh, it's good to be with you. And I just, I'm doing this for you for it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Jake. Uh, I have here. Appreciated. Hey, uh, I don't know. Are you oh. looking at your monitor? <laughs> you did it. Listen, did it. For, the, for the brand, I'm, I'm all in on Starry. I, I yeah, think I've okay. made this pretty, um, you know, pretty known by now. Uh, I prefer it out of the can, but when acceptable, the small <laughs> bottles will do. Uh, we'll make an exception for Andrew. No, I, I really it's like it. Okay, just the scale it's of not, my hand. It's a sixteen ounce bottle, Jake. It's not Sierra Mist. People think Sierra Mist. It's not Sierra Mist. So you know that's that. Did we Brad, find out if they have sugar free? Do they have sugar free? They have sugar free option. They have regular option. I'm welcoming that's you what I've got, actually, Brad Ward. Zero, What's up, that's man? That's the zero sugar there. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you, man. Yes, uh, I don't shy away from sugar, so I I did the sugar style because I'm just feeling super unhealthy. Sugar out of a can. Listen, listen, I did the All Star Game advertising got me. That's where I'm going to put it. They actually it's the first time I've seen it, the NBA All Star Game. I'm like, what on earth is Starry? So I said, if I saw it, I was going to try it. It was at Target, grabbed it, liked it, and I'm a big fan of Sprite. I think it's pretty similar. So, you know, yeah. sup, Starry, getting like th- like a minute and a half now of free advertising out of us on this how show. But How about that? That's what we do. Uh, we, we we talk about brands we enjoy. Speaking of brands we enjoy, the Cleveland Browns, sup, mm-hmm. uh, have left a lot of news out there for the first two days of the week, man. I Did, did we have an OBR show last night? No? Nope. No. No, sure Mike, okay. Mike was traveling. So this is, we're reacting live now. Typically, Mike is the problem, so that's uh, par for the course, as they say. Let's react first, guys. We're going to do our usual guys in the comments. Thanks for the birthday wishes. You know, appreciate that a ton. 34. I think when you hit the 34, 35 range, you stop caring about your birthday as much, is what I'm told. Today's felt different. I just felt older. But uh, that's what I've been told. I I felt it. I don't don't care as much about this birthday as some of the others. It would be weird if you um, did, Jake. Yeah, I would agree. I'm going to... I was on, I was on the cusp of sneezing and I was going to mute myself. But we're going to keep going. I'm powering through. So we got to trace this back to Monday. We're going to answer, um, not answer, but go through some of the big news cycle pieces that have hit. And uh, at this point, we'll also take questions at the end. So if you have questions and you fire them in, we'll try to take note of them and throw those up there too. But there's a lot of news to just quickly react to. So I think when we first look back to Monday, it's – it's Jimmy Haslam and the, and the, and the group purchasing a piece of the bucks, right? Like mm-hmm. um, it's not the 300 and 
something million that I think some people were saying. I think they're buying a piece. Should I guess the question is here, guys, I'll lead to you first, Brad. Should we care? Like, should we care that, that Jimmy Haslam's purchasing a piece of the Bucks and doesn't do we think it matters? Some people try to think make it like it actually matters to what the operations are in Cleveland, but I'm not sure of that. What's your thought? Um, so going off what you're saying about the numbers, like it was a 3.5 billion valuation, but they're not actually paying that they're paying like 700 or 800 or whatever. Anyways, it's a crap ton of money. Uh, I don't think we should care unless it affects what we talked about today. A lot of stuff today, if it affects the stadium, like if this somehow affects what we get as far as the stadium goes. And I know that they are towing the, the line and saying, that they're going to the official, you know, word from the Browns is that they are going to uh, just renovate. I do not believe them. I've heard multiple people say they are lying. Uh, so I do believe they plan to build a new stadium uh, when the time comes, and it should be a retractable roof so that we can get all the good stuff like the Final Fours and Super Bowls and whatnot. If they don't, they're very silly. Uh, so if it impacts that, I would have a problem. Otherwise, I don't care. Yeah, I think the thing is, are the Bucks profitable? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know why. Usually, the thing you don't see is any sort of teams that people that own teams selling. So it's a little strange. I don't care enough to look into whether the Bucks are making money. To your bottom point, Brad, there, like, I, I mean, making money is ma- it matters, right? Because the, the I don't think the Haslam's would buy into something they're not going to make a profit off of. But the question is, Andrew, as we look at this, is is there a profit off of this that helps the stadium stuff, right? Because I think that we're in the the very beginning stages of a very public stadium bickering match, right? Between the yeah. indoor-outdoor element of it and who's paying for it. I think we're at the very beginning stages of that. So I, I just, uh, me personally, I, I hate this stuff because then it's just a bunch of people who are doing inside scoops and like that tweet that, northeast ohio zoning put out where it's like the trying to act yeah. like it's the end of the world is happening biggest story of the year yeah man like i think we're at the beginning of what's going to be a very annoying stadium thing am i underselling that or overselling that no i think that's accurate and i think it's important to remember the reason that jimmy haslam can buy the columbus crew and the nashville predators and now what a quarter of the bucks is because um, he is his company is slowly being bought by Warren Buffett. Um, Pilot Flying J, Buffett just keeps buying more and more of it year over year, which is just money that's going right into his pockets because it's a privately held comp- a corporation. It's not it's not publicly traded. So um, he, he's basically got a money hose that that is just flowing in his backyard, and uh, anytime he wants to, but yeah, anytime he wants to buy another sports franchise, he can. We're, we're so. <laughs> <laughs> as far as that affects the Brown Stadium thing, the n- number one thing that people in Cleveland should think is, why would I pay a dime to one of the richest men in the world to build a new stadium when he can absolutely afford to do it instead of buying, you know, half of the Colorado Rockies or whatever's next? How about just paying for the stadium? I would love that. For him, to, I mean, if he wants to continue to curry favor with Cleveland, if they haven't yep. won a ton the way – He's uh he kind of expected what we've all expected. And it's been a while. Maybe pay for a stadium. That would probably yeah. do you some wonder. So mm-hmm. uh, or at least a gigantic portion of it would do some wonder. So that's all we're going to talk about that. We don't know anything more. We'll see what shakes loose from that. But but to Andrew's point and Brad put out there with the the number stuff like. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays into eventually the stadium stuff. Cause that's the only thing looming, right? They're not selling the team. They can't sell the team to, or can't move the team, but they could sell it, but they're not selling it. They make too much money off of it. So it's just a matter of like, how much are they paying for the stadium? That That's what it's going to come down to location of the stadium. How much of that are they paying for? And if he wants to curry favor, he, he should pay for as much of it as he possibly can. And to, yep. to Andrew's point there, he's got enough money and the money's not stopping coming in for a while. They're buying, buying, buying. They're not selling anything. And you would think given the intro, you know, the uh, unfortunate situation that happened with that company, that there would be more of that, but it seems to have just made them stronger, which is yep. kind of how the things operate uh, with rich mm-hmm. folks. So <laughs> anyway, um, next thing that happened was a Sunday night news drop on the coaching staff and then a, um, wrap up of the coaching staff the following day on Monday morning ish. So uh, I'm going to go over them real quick and then we're just going to react to it. Okay. 
So moves that we already knew, which was Ephraim Banda, is is obviously the safeties coach. We now figure out that Brandon Lynch, who was the assistant uh, secondary coach last year, moves over to corner. So it seems like there's going to be a safety coach and a corner coach. That means a difference from this year's staff to from last year's. There's no uh, full-on secondary coach, and then there's no pass game coordinator, as we sit here know right now. Uh, otherwise, it would have been announced. Uh, Ashton Grant, who was the offensive quality control coach last season, now serves as an offensive assistant and quarterbacks. I think that designation is kind of strange. We actually came to find out that Alex Van Pelt is not the quarterback's coach. He's just staying on as the OC. Like, that's not an actual element of what he's doing. Does that mean Ashton Grant is the quarterback's coach? It's a little bit of a weird designation. Uh, we sorted this out through the Browns that they didn't put out anything official on him taking over as a quarterback coach. So it just seems like it's kind of sitting in limbo there. I'm not sure. That's a clarification question that might need to be sought out. Callie Brownson moves from full-time um, she was last year chief of staff. The last few years, she goes to assistant wide receivers coach. Uh, ben Bloom takes over as the run game coordinator for the defense. Last year, he takes over the defensive line this year, going off of run game coordinator. And then uh, Riley Heklinski uh, is going to move uh, coordinator of coaching logistics, served as scouting assistant since 2020, so he moves over to a new role. And then Kevin Rogers will move from se- senior offensive assistant to senior assistant special projects. I imagine that's just the guy who looks into a bunch of stuff all the time. Um, he's been with the Browns since 2020. And then lastly, obviously, Bill Musgrave is brought in as an offensive assistant, sort of a senior offensive assistant. So, um, Andrew, I'll go to you, man. Uh, thoughts on on um, the staff all together, uh, moves, disappointments, the pleasing stuff. Like, go go ahead. I'll let you just kind of go free, free form. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, I mean, there's, I think there's probably more specific conversations to be had about what they're doing on the offensive side, right? Replacing a quarterback's coach with an offensive coordinator who's got the job, but not the title. And then an offensive assistant and Bill Musgrave. And I think we'll have that conversation, but I just want to like zoom out and look at the big picture here, which is they fired two coordinators and they replaced those guys one for one, right? They lost three assistant coaches. They lost their defensive line coach their uh, secondary coach, and then uh, their quarterback's coach. And they hired, like new to the organization, they hired two coaches. They hired uh, uh, Bill Musgrave and they hired Ephraim Banda. So in net, they went through this whole process. They're actually negative one in the number of coaches in the building, as far as I can tell. And that doesn't include... You know, if Petzing took any of like the lower level offensive staffers, you know, that had been rumored at one point, I know Ashton Grant was one of those names. Obviously, he's staying, but but, you know, there might be some other uh, moves announced on the Arizona side. But I, I just think it's interesting that we I thought that there was an opportunity between firing the defensive coordinator, firing the special teams coordinator, losing your quarterbacks coach. There was an off uh, there's an opportunity to really rework the coaching staff as a whole. And they chose the opposite of that, which is basically like spreading around what they have in-house for the most part. Uh, it's, you know, it's like when you are out of peanut butter, but you still want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you just kind of, you're just spreading the, you know, a very small amount of peanut butter against uh, across a large piece of the toast. That's what it feels like they're doing with this coaching staff. I don't understand the reluctance to bring in the, the, even to get to the same amount of staff they had last year. Yeah, so uh, I will say this. Let me uh, preface what I'm going to say about the rest of the staff with they they knocked it out of the park with Schwartz and uh, firing Prefer and bringing in uh, Ventrone. I think those are two really, really good moves, right? Uh, overarching coordinator moves. Uh, underneath that, I feel like they could have done more. They really just shuffled the deck. I don't know what Bill Musgrove brings. I read an article. I guess he is, he's not like a, a, I know he did serve in some of the Kubiak, uh, you know, that stuff. But I guess at heart, he's an Earnhardt Perkins scheme guy, whatever that is. Uh, I guess it's more like what the Patriots did with Brady a lot, I guess is kind of uh, the, the core of that from what I read in the article. Um, so we'll see what he brings. I mean, he's done a lot. He brings a lot of experience. But the question is, you know, does he bring anything different to the table? I guess is the ultimate question. We don't really – I don't really know that or not. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen, like, a fresh face that maybe wasn't Stefanski's buddy take that position. Uh, and on the defensive side, I've been kind of pounding this home. I was hoping to kind of see a lot of new faces over there. And they really just 
promoted Brandon Lynch. They brought in Banda. That's fine. He seems, you know, that's good. Uh, He seems to be a high-energy guy and fit with what Schwartz wants to do. But I would have liked to have seen more new faces in – um, on the defensive side and the offensive side for two different reasons. Defensive side, because I feel like if you're going to get rid of the guy, the voice, do it all the way, right? Bring in other new voices as well. Uh, but sh- I, I, I have faith. I'm not going to make too big of a deal out of it because I have faith that Schwartz can coach his coaches fine, right? And then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I would have liked to have seen some guys with some fresh ideas fresh uh, eyes come in uh, and get get a look at what they're doing this offseason, which should be an overhaul of sorts uh, to make Deshaun happy. Now, I, you know, I don't know how many of you listened to the Deshaun Watson interview, but he even talked about the quarterback coach and Pet Zing leaving. So uh, I will say that they did reference AVP as the quarterback coach on Cleveland Browns Daily, which is generally a Cleveland Browns affiliated uh show so i don't think they would have done that if that's not the case but uh i will leave it with that well i think um the the put it this way the ashton grant thing is weird to me because it felt like they were trying to keep him around by na- labeling him as a quarterback's operative i don't know what that means it could be i mean listen van pelt is a de facto quarterback coach like i think van pelt is a quarterback coach even with an offensive coordinator label like that's just what he is like let's kind of yep. stop sugarcoating yeah. it Stefanski's like he's DOC. always yeah. been a He's been a glorified quarterback coach since his arrival. He just is tagged with this OC. Listen, if people wanted, you know, everyone wants to complain about hey, Kevin Stefanski should hand off play calling to Alex Van Pelt. Hey, man, if somebody really believed across the NFL, which Alex Van Pelt's been involved with in a long time, that he could call plays yep. successfully for them, he would have been hired. So he's just, he's a quarterback coach and he's fine. Like Aaron Rodgers loved him. He's been revered where he's been. And I think he's a fine quarterback coach, but they're sort of just labeling him as an OC when he really is just a quarterback coach. So if he's officially titled that, I think they've been sort of weird about it. I know that the group of beat writers are trying to figure out the validity of that because we haven't actually seen anything in paper on that. It doesn't really matter. I mean, if it's just, if it's Ashton Grant, Bill Musgrave and Alex Van Pelt are simply going to be the guys working with the quarterback on top of Kevin, it doesn't matter. It's really just semantics. It's not, it's not a big deal, but like, um, I think like you guys, I would have preferred that they went outside and got a fresh perspective. Now, I will always push back a little bit on the idea of replacing certain people. At this point, how easy is it? I don't know. I really don't know. They they have clearly they were pushing for certain people, but they couldn't get some interviews. We do know that. Um, how hard were they pushing for others? I don't know. I mean, what we do know is at a macro level, like you guys pointed out, two great OC hires, uh, two great coordinator hires. Sorry, between uh, the, the specials and, and defense, we can agree there. At a micro level, it feels a bit repetitive. It feels a bit disappointing. Um, were there conversations had? Were there things that weren't made public in pursuit of some of these coaches? That's always possible. I think for every Josina Anderson tweet, there's probably 10 things that we just don't know about where we don't have an idea of like, hey, they reached out and they said no. You know, literally, these insiders don't have anything more than just reaching out to agents and reaching out to coaches they've made contact with and asking. And if they don't get told anything because a coach is pissed or an agent doesn't want to talk about it, we don't know. So I think I'm disappointed in a sense that it's like it might not matter. It might not matter. Like I am disappointed, but I think we can look at it. Schwartz, who's been around the league for a while and has kind of been vocal about the idea that he can coach up his coaches. If he can't do that, how good is he at his job? Like is he is he able to handle because what he said is. At Philly, back in Philly when he took over, he took over a bunch of coaches. He inherited a lot of guys. Can he do that here? I like to think that he can do that because, you know, coaches aren't stupid. I think that they can handle someone doing the thing, asking them to do the thing they're supposed to do. I think the defense was just a leadership overall problem last year. I think I think we can have a, a lot of different discussions on on that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, last year, if they win those four games that they should have won, Better quarterback play, a couple things bounce their direction. We're probably like, hell yeah, great coaching staff. Run it back. You know? So like it's just it's very fickle. It's very fickle. And well, like and I hope that, that they can they can close the gap. But I think they've done at the macro level. Uh, let's put it this way. I, I'm happy that they took care of the macro level. If we're if we're gonna be disappointed in one, you definitely take micro disappointment over the macro disappointment. And I think that the coordinators, hopefully, Andrew, have a funnel effect on helping out some of the other things. Now the offense. I don't know, man. I'm I'm underwhelmed. I, you know, you and me were, were pretty vocal. I, I talked to you about it all offseason toward the end where it's like 
I would really love them to get an outside voice here because they just seem to have a lot of yes man guys around on that side. They must think that they have enough in house to figure out this this the changes that need to be done. Now, if there's one thing you can look at with Musgrave at Cal, he was running a lot of 11 personnel gun and diverse gun run games. So maybe they think he has some things that can help them shift to where they're shifting to. But I don't think it's wrong to sit here and be like, I don't like it. I really don't like it. But again, we'll see if they can figure it out because they cannot. If they just run it back as is, I've been vocal about where I go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's the issue is that it's obvious that they think what you said, which is that they're, you know, those few games, those bounces of the ball go different and they're a playoff team and nobody's worried about anything. So that, that it's clear that that's what they think. I'm worried they're wrong, right? I mean, I think I think that they are a little bit too in love with their process and I, I think are, are wrong about how much the league has kind of figured some of the stuff that Kevin does out. And, and how, you know, if, if they are thinking that they don't need to bring in new ideas and innovate that, uh, and truly innovate, I don't mean like, you know, lip service, like we watched some Kansas City tape and grabbed three plays, but I'm talking like new ideas, new arguments, you know, diversity of thought. That's the phrase, that's the catchphrase I've been using, right? Diversity of thought. They, they didn't add any diversity of thought on the offense. That's, and I think there will be a time during this year where they regret that. I agree. Uh, I, I wanted the same thing. I looked at it as an opportunity to bring in somebody new. But to your point, Jake, maybe I don't know what what uh, is it Musgrave or Musgrove? Mus, mus, uh, Mushead. I don't Musgrave. know what Mushead can uh, can bring to the table here. But either way, um, I when I listened to the Watson interview with Quincy Avery, who is his personal trainer, uh, they both it made me feel better about a lot um i would recommend you listen to it uh uh anybody out there that hasn't listened to it yet avery is his his personal you know quarterbacks guy he's interviewing deshaun and they had a lot of positive things to say about uh kevin avp uh deshaun likes a lot and even quincy avery after he got off uh talked at length uh about um his belief in that the Browns offense would change in a large way to exactly what they want Deshaun to do or what Deshaun wants to do. So, you know, ultimately all these moves don't matter really if they can get it right with Deshaun and Deshaun becomes Deshaun, it's all going to fall into place. There's one singular piece of that interview that stood out to me. I mean, you're right about it has to fall into place for Deshaun is the control over the offense pre-snap to post-snap. Like right. the conversation he had about, you know, I've been in offenses where I'm calling out protection, I'm calling out Mike, I'm calling out all these different pieces of the puzzle ahead of the snap, and in this offense, everything's sort of laid out for you, and the center is doing that stuff. Can And that's not, that's not uncommon. Some offenses put that stuff on the center, and Kevin has clearly done that here going back. I mean, the best time to listen to this was back during the COVID year because you could hear everything on the field. Like the center is in charge of everything. I mean, he's calling out Rip Liz as he's making calls to the mic. He's making calls to whatever double team types they need or whatever, whatever. And like the quarterback, uh, you'll hear them call out a, a couple different things, like some can and rewind, which are, are indicators of first play or second play. They'll do some of that. But like some offenses are heavily predicated. If you again, if you just pay attention to enough, the NFL where quarterbacks are calling out the mic, quarterbacks are calling out the Rip Liz, quarterbacks are calling out, uh, you know, where's hot. I think Deshaun wants more of that. I think he wouldn't have said that if he didn't want more of that. And I even think he referenced the term, get a little bored. Like you can get yeah. a little unfocused, a little bored pre-snap. And I hope that they can mesh that. Listen, these guys are smart enough. I've said this before. They've been around enough football to understand, to talk to the right people. To and You're talking about Bill Callahan here. I mean, he's been around every offensive scheme you could think of. He knows how to coach up inside zone, outside zone, duo, uh, gap power, you know, all those, that stuff's not foreign to him. They can do this. It's a matter of whether they want to do it and how they go about implementing it. And maybe that's where Musgrove is a part of that decision. He's doing it. He can help us implement it. He's got some ideas. Let's try to implement some things he's done. I think if you could take anything away from the Musgrove hire at this point, based on what he's done for the last three years, is that it's trending in that direction. And what I mean by that direction is what I've talked about. More 11, less 12 and 13 personnel, which means more wide receivers on the field, which means more horizontal, more vertical stretches. And like from that, a diverse run game, not just one 
one or two types of runs from the gun. I'm talking three or four to five, six types of runs from the gun, the ability to implement them week to week, ability to use them to piggyback and use RPO stuff off of it. And I'm sorry, but Deshaun Watson is who everything is built around, and it needs to be a gun-based offense, and everything needs to run through him. Like you look at Kansas City, you get Mahomes under the gun a few times, under the center, the few a few times to do a, a couple different wrinkles. They do, but they live out of the gun. And Deshaun, largely in his Houston days, lived out of the gun. That's what they need to do, and they need to base everything they do in the run game off of how to make him feel comfortable, how to make him feel comfortable pre, how to make him feel comfortable post, all the above. I hope that's where the focus is. I feel like they're smart enough to do it. Does that mean it's just going to seamlessly work? No. Did that, does bringing in some young gun um, uh, coach that, that we're learning about and really like me, nothing's guaranteed. But I think that like if you're asking yourself at the base of this, can they do this? Yeah, I think they can. I don't think, again, it's a bunch of rocket science to figure out how to run more stuff from the gun, diversify the approach you use from the gun and implement it. It's a matter of how much do they want to do it, and how willing are they to go that direction? I hope those conversations are happening. At this point, we're all just throwing out conjecture, right? I've been th- the, the offensive changes I hope to see are really conjecture-based. Not like I have any intel that that's what they're going to do. I mean, I like to think that's where they're going. If you look around the NFL, the teams that are really successful, teams are doing it the way I'm describing. They just are. I mean, the teams that are doing it best, the way Josh Allen, the way Joe Burrow, the way Patrick Mahomes, the way these guys are operating, even over to um, – you know, down in Jacksonville, like that's how they're operating. And if the Browns can't see that and look around and say, we can't run what Minnesota's running. You're not Kyle Shanahan, brother. You're not Sean McVay. You don't have those chops. You don't have that ability. Like you do have the ability though, to lean into your players. And I think that if you're saying like, if Deshaun Watson went to San Francisco, I think Kyle would adapt a lot of what he does. I really do. I, I think that's true of them. I think it's true of what it would happen if he landed with the Rams. So I really do hope they evolve. I don't think we can sit here and say we, I mean, they're not going to tell us whether they evolved in the off season, but there's some things that make me think we can see some sort of evolution there, but it's not like just because they didn't bring in a coach, which I again would have preferred more of it, but it doesn't mean they can't do it. So we'll leave that at that. The next big thing that's happened because we're sure, already half hour in. Go, yeah, go ahead, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I just I I brought this up on last week's show with Mike, and I think I think it is kind of going to be like a setting the table for the off season, or really for the you know talking about next year. The big question to me is Kevin Stefanski. Every year he has called plays, it has been about minimizing the opportunity for the quarterback to make mistakes not about maximizing the opportunity for the quarterback to be great and that shift from having a limited quarterback to having one of the most gifted quarterbacks in the league and whether or not he trusts him to do that is kind of what I'm hearing you say and what Watson was saying on that podcast right is is whether or not he's really going to get the keys to the car and I can't fathom giving up what they gave the draft capital and money for Deshaun Watson and not giving him the keys to the car. Well, yeah, said. That, that's, that's very fair. It's well, it's well said. And I think that is where it's hard to have changed that going from Jacoby in season, totally. you would have, you would have to say 11 games of Jacoby. We have to give him, we just have to stick with the status quo. We have to stick with it. We'll throw Deshaun into it to get him ready for the season. But if it doesn't change this off season, and we're talking about four weeks into the season where everything looks the same, Again, I think we've laid this out very fairly. He's going to get fired. Yep. He's going to get fired. Yep. There would be no excuse at that point to not move on from him and bring in some, or they're going to force him to hire an offense coordinator, which is a completely different disaster. But like the, <laughs> the point is, the 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 general crux of the whole thing is Deshaun, without saying I want it, he wants it. He wants that control yeah. that he had. He should get that control. You gave up everything to get him, and he's gifted enough to do it. So give it to him. And that's kind of been the point about how I want the offense structured dating back to when he was doing his best work with the Texans and also looking around the landscape of the NFL for what is working best. It's not rocket science. It's inside zone based. It is wrinkles off of that, some dart, some power, some counter, some different wrinkles, split zone, RPOs off of that to gain a defender, quarterback run game in a plus one scenario so that he can pull it and and run off of a read key, and then throwing downfield different patterns uh, based off of what you have in the backfield. That's, again, Go watch the AFC Championship game, uh, the divisional game with uh, both Bengals and Bills. Go watch the championship game, Bengals and Chiefs. Go watch the Super Bowl. 
it's it's very simple. It's very simple. And do you have a quarterback who can do that or not? The Browns do. And if they want to minimize his role, they want to take more away from him. They want to they want to put him under center a ton. What are you doing? Why why'd you pay for him? What 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 are you doing, yeah. man? So I just I would have big problems with that. And again, I'd be week four, five, six. I'd be saying, hey man, I don't think he got. I don't think he has it. I don't has it and i and again i've been very patient with kevin one of his most ardent fans and supporters but if he can't figure this out full off season ability to talk to any coach who's ever coached in these types of systems it is you're out man we'll find somebody who can do it that's 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 the crux of it so brad anything else before we shift off that brad i don't i didn't mean to cut you guys off no you're good i was just gonna say i think there are breadcrumbs there uh if you look to see that that these changes are being made or I would like to think that I, w- I would agree, uh, and I think Musgrave points to that. I do, I really do. If yeah. you look at what he was doing at Cal, <clears throat> although I think he's 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 an underwhelming resume, put it that way. Mm-hmm. If you do look at like, okay, why the hell would they want Bill Musgrave? Yeah, I know Kevin knows him from a decade ago, eleven through thirteen. But what about his current situation? Says he'd be interesting. Well, look what he ran at Cal. He did do some of the things and the shift in the way that we want to see the Browns shift to. So we have to lean into that for now. We will never know this answer. We're not going to get Kevin going. Well, you know, we really loved his eleven personnel run game stuff. So that's why we. Hire. He's not going to do that. But like that is the breadcrumb of all breadcrumbs right now. I think that's very fair to say. So again, though, the pressure's there. They got to figure out that offense, or it is. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable because it would be a real, I think, it, I just think it'd be an embarrassment. I think it'd be a real embarrassment for why on earth you traded for this guy, did the things you did only to continue to put a dog, like, like put a, put a like restriction on him. It just would be the yep. most asinine thing you could do. So um, big news today starts out. John Johnson's cut interesting timing. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're going to cut him and designated to June 1st. I understand why they did it in general, uh, that they wanted to uh, give him a chance to go out and sign. Like, you know, they, they clearly wanted to give him a chance to go. They they, they they drug their feet a little bit with Austin Hooper, and I think they learned their lesson from that because I think Austin Hooper was pissed about it. And I think it also happened with um, uh, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Richardson, if you recall, where yep. he was pretty vocally upset about that. So I hope they learn their lesson about this and give these guys a chance. If you're going to cut them, give them a chance to sign somewhere else at the beginning of free agency – but, I mean, it was kind of peculiar for me that, like, he has to get up in front of a microphone in five hours, and he ended up cutting him that morning. But, nonetheless, uh, thoughts on the uh, – uh, predictable, but, nonetheless, thoughts on the John Johnson uh, removal. We'll start with you, Brad. Yeah, uh, figured this one was coming, right? Uh, I'm glad they did it sooner than later. L- listen, I, w- I was banging the table for them to bring in John Johnson uh, the offseason that they brought him in. He underperformed his contract massively. He said all the right things in front of the microphones, but the performance didn't show up on the field. And and the coaching staff didn't do him any favors in the way they used him either. So I think you can put some on the coaching staff and some on him, but it didn't work out, and he's not worth the money that he was going to get paid this year. It's an obvious cut. They need a different kind of safety because Delpit is, you know, the same thing, but better, younger, and cheaper. So... Uh, that just makes sense. And, uh, you know, there it is. My, uh, yeah, my conspiracy theory on this, it's not really a conspiracy, but my, my feeling on this has been since it happened that the Browns were planning to sign Marcus Williams from the saints. And then they, you know, scraped together some couch cushion money and, and were able to set uh, franchise tag him that year. And I think they pivoted to John Johnson because they were in desperate need of a safety and they had the money earmarked for that position. But the way that they used Johnson, it feels to me obvious that they had a, a true center fielder in mind at that position. Um, and that's Marcus Williams and they didn't sign him and now he's in Baltimore and you know, it's a, it's a crying shame that that didn't work out for the Browns. Um, and I think it was, you know, I mean, if you, if you talk about Joe Woods firing and, Things that he did wrong, not getting more out of a player of John Johnson's caliber is just pretty high up that list. Yeah. Yeah. So I tweeted that out today, Andrew, to your point. And I think you and I have yep. actually talked about that a little bit about the yep. Marcus Williams thing. Um, so if you want to know why I tweeted out what I did today, which is, hey, man, the Browns didn't use him the right way. You, you know, that's what pissed me off more than anything. It, it, when I wrote up that John Johnson film room when they signed him, I was so excited. Like, so excited about what he could do, the diversity. Like, he was giving Kittle fits and one-on-one coverage. He was playing as a linebacker in Brandon Staley's defense, doing a bunch of fun stuff. And I was just annoyed. Like, this is – okay, so I watched the first year. I'm like – I remember tweeting it out early in his first year. Like, because, again, look at his two years. So, 2017 year through 2020 are all 
Rams years, the top two years of the Browns. So look, look at the, now he was hurt in 2019. So 2018 and 2020 are your indicators. So 2018, 467 snaps in the box. 2020, 459 snaps in the box. With the Browns in 2021, 2022, 132 and 250. There's your freaking sign. How many safety snaps? Almost 700 safety snaps last year. That's deep coverage, split or single high, right? 652 the year before. He only got to 503 in 2018 and 394 in 2020 because in 2020 they got super creative with him got him 264 snaps in the slot he was a dog like he was so fun near the line of scrimmage you have all these things on tape that he does really well and they're like you know what we'll just peg him as a deep safety in our corners (laughs) base and we'll have him roll as our single high and just go with it like what on earth are you doing and again i don't know maybe the Grant Delpit injury caused a whole bunch of chaos that they weren't expecting. And like, I just don't know how that, I I would love to ask Andrew and Joe Woods that question. Like, what are you doing? How are you taking away this thing? This guy is best at and putting him in a role. He clearly doesn't like they were on again, off again with him wearing the green dot, which is a role he clearly liked. And like, I just don't understand what they were doing. Now, again, they could think, and people would ask a very logical question. Well, why isn't Schwartz keeping him? He'll put him back on the board. Well, they like Grant Delpit for that role. Grant proved last year that he can do it and be pretty damn good at it. So why not keep the cheaper, younger player? That's very obvious. So what they need is a post safety and a guy who's comfortable playing deep. Now, there are a ton of names. Jordan Poyer, older veteran. Jesse Bates is expensive. Everybody wants to do that and weaken a division rival. I'm with you. I would love it, but paying $20 million for a safety just doesn't fit what they need to fix, partly because you can really go into the draft and you have a higher chance of drafting a post-deep safety with success as a younger player than you do with an edge or a defensive tackle, especially where the Browns are picking. So I would much prefer that they go with a veteran. Um, there's a, Deron Harmon's out there. You could go with even if – I mean, Juan Thornhill feels like he's going to get into a weird pricing war. Like I, I mentioned Thornhill like a month ago, and – he was all over today, and that's fine. Like, I, I'm interested in Juan Thornhill, but the price at which that happens, I don't know. Epps is a, a, a Philadelphia free agent. Marcus Epps, I, I think, is his first name. He's another guy of interest. But, like, to the crux of, like, John Johnson let a lot of people down. He was not good enough. There's no doubt. And there were piss-poor efforts on tape. Fine. I'm totally with that. I, I you know, People responding to me that, well, John should have been better. Like, no shit, man. He wasn't good <laughs> enough. And if he was better, he would still be here. But you cannot look at this and say the Browns are like innocent in this. They screwed it up. Whether that was they panic signed him, like Andrew said, very plausible, or they just couldn't figure it out. Like, how could you not figure it out? I don't understand how they couldn't figure it out of taking a guy out of what he's like. It's like taking the best slot receiver in the NFL, sticking him outside at X on the backside boundary, getting him jammed and pressed all the time and being like, hey, I can't figure out what's wrong with this guy. I can't figure out why he's not as good. Okay, what? Like, it's very obvious to me that he was playing out of position. It wasn't all terrible. He had moments of good games. It certainly wasn't the worst safety in the league by any stretch of the imagination. He's pretty average, but they didn't pay him to be average. And that's the disappointing part of it. So, yes, John Johnson disappointing by what we expected, but you got to look at why. It wasn't just his fault. I think they took a part of what his core is as an NFL player, a guy who liked to be physical, close to the line of a scrimmage, impacting, barking, talking, being a part of run fits, hitting people, and saying, hey, man, play deep coverage all the time. And that's a huge adjustment. It just is. You're not not involved in every play. You're not hitting somebody all the time. You can start to lose focus. It's just a different role. And I think that people see safety, and they think you should be able to do everything. That's not always the case, right? So – um, there's options, you know, I, I certainly understand, uh, a bunch of different ways you can go. Uh, I, I certainly, I mentioned Jordan Poyer. I don't think he's coming back to Cleveland. He has way too many bad memories in Cleveland, uh, to be back here, but yeah, I mean, like there's, there's a lot of options, Geno stone in Baltimore. Like if they go that route, go cheap and then try to draft somebody like, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna be decent at it. That you think in Chris Smith out of Georgia, a lot of different options, the Skinner kid out of Boise state. Like there's, there's plenty of options. We'll see, we'll see what they come up with, but I think you can get a respectable safety on the free agent market, Rodney McLeod type, and then go try to find one to develop in the draft. So um, we'll leave it at that. Any other Johnson takes from you guys on this you want to pound the table for? No, you you said it, man. You said it, yeah, brother. The only thing I would add, and I think it kind of goes back to the some of the coaching moves, is that it's, it's obvious in retrospect that there was a disconnect between 
you know, I, I think it's, it, it feels like Joe Woods was telling the front office, like, yeah, I like that guy for that role. I like, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm comfortable with, with Jordan Elliott starting at nose for us. You know, he, he was saying things that he didn't believe or he didn't have a, a, a good sense of who fit in the system and where I, I'm really hoping with Jim Schwartz, a guy with a lot of experience that he's able to very clearly communicate to Andrew Barry and, and the personnel side, like, that guy can't do that. We can't sign him to do that because he's not good at it. So yeah. we shouldn't sign him. I would say I, I would say struck me that the from I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Brad, just a second. The draft where they drafted JOK, the amount of Joe Woods not being involved in that selection yes. was yes. pretty strange to me. How they like ran yeah. down to his office and told him and like Yeah, you good so, with this Joe? Yeah, like I think the thing that was interesting to me is there's some problem with communication to your point, Andrew, between this is a guy that we want that can do this, that can fill this role, and then yep. just drafting whether data-driven guys or just liking their film in general. There needs to be a better understanding of not whether a guy's film is good, but how does he project into what we will be asking him to do, right? Exactly. Like that is wildly important because I can't imagine, even though Joe Woods should have been fired and plenty of talk about that has been done, but like, you think if Joe Woods really sit there and say, hey, man, Jordan Elliott, Taven Bryan, Tommy Togia, that's enough. We're good. We're good. Like, I just yeah. I'd love I to can't know. imagine that. I'd I cannot imagine that. So I hope there's a better collaboration going on between who's picking, who's signing, and who's actually working with them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I was just going to say the further we get away from Joe Woods, right, and the firing of him, it feels more and more evident that one of his biggest downfalls was his inability to define roles for these guys, right? Yeah. Like it yeah. feels like <clears throat> he did not do a very good job at saying, listen, this is what I need from you. This is your role on this team. It feels like a lot of these guys went with undefined roles and just kind of, you know, play your position, whatever. And, and I think that'll be one of the biggest differences with Schwartz in the building. That's what we hope, man. That's what we hope. There, there just has to be less misunderstanding. I, I, I don't, I, there's no other word I can use because the, the, yep. between like the usage of John Johnson and then the decisions to, to not filter in better defensive tackles to a group like, it's it's a little bit mind blowing. So hopefully that gets resolved. The only other news that came out um, noteworthy is that the Browns get the Hall of Fame game, which is pretty cool, right? Haven't had it since 1999. Um, they they beat the Cowboys back then, 20 to 17, and we all thought they were going to go 16 to 0 that year, right? Mm -hmm. um, ended up being just a little different. Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, get the Jets though should be fun. You guys plan on going? I think I'm going to try to go. I don't know about the game, but I want to go to the ceremony for Joe. I think it might be really hard to get into actually. Mm. Um, I think a lot of Cleveland people are going to be there as they should it's right down the road, but you never know. But I I'm curious how they're going to filter out the ticket situation for uh, um, like, Hey, some jets fans would like to be there or you know, some others yeah. would like to be Good there. Luck. Uh, because I think a lot of Browns people are going to overwhelm this whole operation, but it's going to be, it'll be cool to watch them play in that game. We haven't seen it in what, what is it? 24 years now. So that's cool. Any thoughts on that? Go ahead, Brad. 
yeah, I would love to try to go. It's going to be difficult to get there. It's going to be one big massive party, a lot of people celebrating. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a chance to go and celebrate Joe Thomas, and people are going to get wasted and turn it into a Browns Fest kind of uh, weekend. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you know, the, the way that this works, and I'm, I'm not advocating for any lawlessness, but um, if everybody that doesn't have a ticket decides to show up and go in, then you have a ticket, essentially. So just worth 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 thinking about you know in terms of uh who can get tickets and how much they pay for them and stuff because you, you don't know, have a ticket until you do that's what i'm saying like you should yeah. if you should if enough of us show up and are interested in getting inside we have tickets we would have ticket we would it would be a really interesting scene we yeah. would have tickets at that point yeah. um It'll be really fun to watch fourth stringers play. I can't wait for Demetri oh, yeah. to, to to dominate oh, that game. Oh boy, yeah. Who's okay, who, yeah? Who's taking the most snaps at quarterback in that game? There's a fun question. I, I would like to see the ghost of Kellen Mond do yeah. anything. You yeah. know, that'd be kind of cool. Like I, don't, I haven't seen that guy. Yeah, I haven't seen that guy touch a football in a long time. So, mm-hmm. um, they made the roster the whole year though. Right on. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's listen. We're gonna um, switch over to questions now. So. If you guys have any questions that you would like to have answered, uh, throw those over. Um, We will certainly go through any draft as the combine starts this week. Should be really fun. We get some on-field testing tomorrow, I think. So that should be interesting. Um, It's either tomorrow or today's Tuesday, right? So, yeah, I think it's tomorrow. It's got to be tomorrow. We've had player media should start tomorrow, then they should be out on the field uh, doing some stuff. So we should get like DNs, and I think it's just DNs and D tackles or maybe just DNs. I'm not sure. But, yeah, any of those questions, fire them in. Um, looking at safety questions, like I guess that we should we dig a little deeper into the, the Jesse Bates thing. I don't think I like that idea. I, I really – I like Jesse Bates, the player. I just think he's like somebody like the Bears are going to overpay him. They're going to pay him $20 million a year. And I just like – I would rather have that be three or four different players you need. Like I don't think Jesse Bates just solves – a giant issue in other spots, right? Like, I, I think that's a bit of a stretch, guys. Yeah, Mary Kay dropped that today. Like, he was their number one target or whatever, and that's their solution to John Johnson. And I'm like, what the hell? Where where do they – I mean, they better play him both ways then and have him line up at wide receiver because I don't – I cannot imagine them spending that kind of money on safety. I don't get it. <laughs> I will say that uh, it felt like if if, if – uh, the Browns had waived Kellen Mond. That the 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 tweet would have been, sources are they're looking at Lamar Jackson. Like, yeah, just, right. I don't know what he mean, but like, Seriously. hey, if we pick the best name at every position and say that's a target, I, I think that that's kind of like, yeah, okay. We, the, yeah. the only thing I'll say is that I I think that I've seen a lot of you know, um, especially like from our guys, Jack Jack Duffin is you know convinced that they're not going to go after Bates, and I, I I'm just a, I would just leave that window cracked a little bit just because of how highly they prioritize secondary play. Uh, you know, it's obviously one of the areas on the field that they find most important. And if they are trying to be like balls to the wall, aggressive, um, you know, fixing that position with the best player available in free agency and weakening a division opponent is, you know, kind of a, kind of a, you know, it would be a master stroke if they could afford it. I, I mean, but it, it would be a true all-in type move, like you know the Bills signing Von Miller last year. Yeah, I wouldn't hate. I would never have an issue with signing Jesse Bates. Like that, I wouldn't be like. It would be. What do they do with it? If they just signed Jesse Bates right. and maybe added one other player, I'd be like, mm, that's tough. Like no. I'm with it. I would love to get a dynamic player like Jesse Bates, and they might. They still really might because they might do some things with the cap that we don't. Right have full-fledged understanding of yet but like right i i mean i don't I, if they sign yeah. jesse bates would i be upset no but if you said right. here's scenario a you could get juan thornhill david onyamata sheldon rankins and um pick your edge charles aminahu i'd be like right. yeah, i probably would rather have those guys right and, right. and not to yeah. say that jesse bates doesn't completely break the bank but he definitely puts a large dent into it now as we were talking about leading up to this day, Ron Payne was franchise tag. So he's out the window. Like that's a guy we thought, I still think Draymond Jones ends up staying in Denver some way, shape or form, whether they tag him or sign him, it feels like he stays. So the, the market of like, Hey, these are some middle-class guys you can get away with. Then those guys get pushed up and they might become mm-hmm. a little more expensive. Right. So just something to consider. Like, I don't think Jesse Bates is out the window. I think the Browns talk to him. 
but I just am curious if somebody like the Bills or who are your other cap uh, teams this year that have a ton of money. Um, not Bill, sorry, the 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 Bears. Bears. Or, I, I don't even know who else. There's probably some others. I just haven't looked at it. The um, Giants, you know, could, could come in and yeah, the Giants. Like they let Julian Love go. They end right. up signing Bates. Like yeah, there's certainly room for some of those teams to just sweep in and be like, yeah, we'll pay 22 on on the average. And right. Cleveland's like, ah, I can't do that. So I do think they'll talk to him. Question here from from Jeff is your top three DN targets. I'm going to presume you mean free agency, Jeff. Um, I would say my number one is Arden Key, a guy I really like. Like I really think that they should have entertained signing him last year. The nine and a half to nine and a quarter APY is a bit rich, but he's still young. He hasn't even turned 27 yet. Put together two really good seasons. I think if you can get him around nine or eight, like that would be a phenomenal get. I mean, he's obviously should be high for everybody, but he is also still dealing with that domestic violence situation that happened in the playoffs. So I don't know what the resolution of that is if he were really available and like there's no strings attached, I would certainly be interested in Charles Minnie, who formerly of the 49ers, um, as a guy that I'd be very interested in. I mean, I don't understand why Pro Football Focus is pegging Marcus Davenport at one year 12 million. I don't really understand that at all. If he is costing one year 12 million, I'd be as in as in could get for Marcus Davenport, but I, I feel like he should be a long term contract guy. I don't really understand. That's the only one I've looked at in their contract projections where I'm like, where the hell are you getting that number? It's yeah, it's very strange to me. Um, otherwise, Okoronkwo, the kid. Uh, You're just going to say all the names, is Nick? interesting to me. Uh, I Actually, is that four? I cheated. <laughs> yeah, that's like is six. That four? No, yeah. strike that. I only said Arden <laughs> Key, Aminahu, and Marcus Davenport. But Davenport is not on the list because I don't understand that contract. Um, <laughs> all right, so it's three and a half. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So three and a half. This will be this will be my last one. Okoronkwo, the Ogbenia, um, uh, with Houston. He's he's an interesting one as well. Um, high is. pressure rate, like seventeen and a half percent. So I would be very into those three as my top three. There's more out there, but those are three that um would be at the top. Now, if I want to add another name, oh, never mind. I already said three. And a half, so, um, Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, that's 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 it, Brad. Well, you do kind of have to look at it like because uh, there's guys that'll play the full load, kind of like we when we did the free agent pieces on the edge. You have to separate them into rotational guys and starters because uh, like the guys you named, uh, Jake, are all starters, but like they'll play close to the full load, like Garrett does, plays over a thousand snaps, right? Like that's crazy. But there are a bunch of really good edge rushers that'll play like five hundred or four hundred. Uh, that'll cost you a couple million dollars. And you have to think that I would think the Browns would want to bring one of those guys in as well. Uh, Carlos Dunlap or somebody like that. Uh, I like it like three million. You can play the run and, and give you some relief on both sides. That's all I'll say about the edge. Uh, Samson Ekubon is the other name. Samson Ekubon mm-hmm. is the other name that I think is, you know, is, is interesting. I, I think, he, you know, he, he's a, he's another guy. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think to Brad's point, um, you know, this is this is one of the areas where I think I'm really interested because we, I think we thought the same thing last year. They were we thought, well, they maybe will bring Clowney back, but they probably need like one more guy, depth wise. You know, they made the Winovich trade, but that's not really much. Um, and that was one where it's like, okay, well, they didn't sign anybody. Is this this a kind of a, or they didn't sign anybody beyond Clowney? Is this part of you know them kind of punting a little bit to 23? and not going all in in 22. So I think it's interesting to see what they do here. Cause I, I do agree philosophically with the idea of building in depth, right? So that you have, you know, ideally they have four guys that can play. If you count Alex yeah. Wright as one, they've got two right now. So they need to add two guys. So it's either a high draft pick or another. So maybe they sign somebody for starter minutes in March and then they either draft somebody or they come back in June and, and grab somebody off of that two to three million dollar yeah. pile but i think it's it'll be interesting to see justin houston or melvin ingram veteran yeah exactly type, one but, of the, yeah. more more of a veteran type guy it'll just be interesting to see that these are the areas where you know to your point before jake it's like it, we we they could they can really kind of double dip at a lot of these spots they could double dip at safety yeah. with two free agents they could double dip at defensive tackle certainly they could double dip at edge i i think there's i think you know those are probably the three that i can think of um, I mean, they could technically double dip at wide receiver, but that might be a little bit extreme. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this this should be the first year they should be doing that, where they've been trying yeah. to develop a lot of pieces they've drafted and brought in. They should be going out and getting veteran types who can who can plug gaps and get them into the where they want to go with more consistency. I do agree. The edge names are tongue twisters, and there are also some like (laughs) who we wrote about David Onyemata today, defensive tackle. That's a tongue twister. So yeah, they could they could do better there, but I guess they can't change their name uh, easily. It can be done, uh, as we know. As we know with uh, with chosen, what's chosen Robinson, right? Right, or chosen Anderson used to be Robbie Anderson. Uh, You can change your name, but it's not easy. Demarcus Walker, the only other one I'll mention. Talk about oh, yeah, bigger edges. Cool. Schwartz might have liked those uh, big edges in in uh, Tennessee. He's going to be out there yeah. available. He might be cheap. So I'll name seventeen names before we're done. <laughs> uh, question next here from Ty Sox: Is there a safety depth in the draft to grab the couple? Uh, yeah, there there is. I, I mean, early guys that you like, you know, like I mentioned, Chris Smith, um, the kid out of Texas A and M. I think it's Antonio Johnson out of Texas A and M. The safe, Jamie Robinson. The two safeties, uh, hybrids, Sidney Brown out of Illinois. Um, you know, there's um, – trying to think off the top of my head. The Merriweather kid out of Iowa I think is a nice player. Um, they, there are a lot of safety. Like if you look late, like Ronnie Hickman, the Ohio State kid, could be available there late. Like there – I think there's decent depth here. The kid that I'm drawn to more than any I think is the J.I.R. Brown out of Penn State. I continue to really like his – his tape and a potential fit there. I, I think a lot of people are starting to get on board with that, but yeah, it's a nice safety group. I think you can get, uh, it's, it's a little easier to find safeties who are more comfortable forward, but um, I think there's enough depth in this draft to get some guys uh, at different rounds that you could take too, if you wanted. Yeah. I mean, I personally, when I'm looking at positions, I think defensively translate relatively well. Like I loved Kirby Joseph last year. He was so good mm. for Detroit this year. Like I think that's a position that you can bring in and, and a guy can be pretty good for you early. So, um, you know, the, look back Antoine Winfield. There's many examples mm. of this recently. It's it's tougher to expect not not top 15-ish defensive tackles or edges to do that, but I think you can get some safeties in various points in the draft who can do a nice, uh, very esoteric role well for you, right? So um, just leave it at that. There's another kid from right. Illinois in the draft this year, isn't there, too? It's Quan. Um, well, there's the they have that that Witherspoon kid's a really good corner, and I, is it? It might be. I can't think of the name of the other one. Sydney. Um, Sydney Brown is is uh is a senior bowl, but there's another one, Quan Henderson or something like. I can't, I can't think of the name. Isn't um, that where Joseph's from? Isn't he from Illinois? Yeah. He, yeah. he was an Illinois guy. Yeah, they've had a ton of talent yeah. filter through that program. They have a nice defensive tackle in next year's class that'll be pretty Gee. good too. So. Jamie Robinson um, ends up uh, available in every mock draft I've ever I ever do. He's like that one. You know how when you do those mock simulators and there's always one guy available in like every round. I think Jamie Robinson is available in every round. He's an interesting one because the tape is good and he's a good player, but he's very he's 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 short. He's short. His arm length is not very good. I think he's one that could get overlooked. So Devin Witherspoon on that Illinois team is here thinking Jartavius Martin. I think he goes by Quan. Um, um, but yeah, Jartavius Martin's the other one. Sidney Brown, Jartavius Martin, and then um, Jerzon Newton is the defensive tackle to keep your eye on for next year. He had 59 pressures this year, uh, four sacks. It's a it's a bananas production. He decided to go back. I I don't know what's up with that, but he went back. Hmm. Um, I know that Corey Kennan was very into him uh, for a while there. Uh, still think they prioritize corner over safety this year. I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't make any sense. I talked to Dane Brugler about some slot guys to pay attention to in the upcoming draft. Like, the only corner I'm looking for is a nickel. You cannot just keep drafting corners. I love a corner. I would like another one, but you better be able to play inside. <laughs> like, I think Greg Newsom can play inside in spot situations, but if you're going to take another corner mid-late rounds, I need him to be able to play inside. I, I need, you can't just keep taking corners. So I think you can uh, get early. one in free agency for pretty cheap too, if you want to. Yeah. If you want to get a veteran, they, I, 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 they have to. They cannot go into next season without addressing a true nickel corner on this roster. So at least when guys are dinged, you can kick Newsom outside and make him happy for most of the time. Like situationally, if you want your three best corners on the field, and that means kicking him inside a little bit. Okay, but you have to have somebody available that can play the position besides him. If there are no other questions, we're going to put a bow on this thing. We've been over here over an hour. 
Um, we will be back tomorrow with the OBR Weekly with Fred and uh, Fred and Barry. So they will join for their OBR Weekly. And then Andrew and I will do Franchise Mode Thursday night for my pod. And Brad, you'll be back on Thursday night on the Twitch YouTube uh, for uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Do you have a guest lined up that you want to preview? Efforting a couple guests, and we should get a uh, uh, a quick uh, visit from Stainbrook from the Combine. Oh, nice. nice. Always love to have a quick visit with Stainbrook. One of the best quick visit guys out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elite. Yeah. There you go. Elite quick Elite visit guy. Quick visit quick, guy. Quick, quick twitch. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, we're putting a bow on this thing. For Andrew, for myself, we appreciate you guys being here. For Brad, uh, we will be, like I said, back over the next two nights and then um, continue to post out some different things on the podcast uh, as well uh, and, and uh, give you all the coverage you need. It's been a pretty chaotic first two days of the week. And, you know, I, I like the content angle. So hopefully we get uh, some more content angles uh, throughout the rest coming. of the week. Keep it coming. That's right. Cause it's, it's quick, man. It's going to be March tomorrow. And then it's like free agency hits the middle of the month and it's, it's nonstop. No, I'll go. So we'll be back next week. I have a good guest lined up for, uh, dueling mock draft so we'll do that and i like to do that with the ability of the uh viewers to draft their own draft as well we voted that out last year i got to figure out how we did that uh, to try to do it again i think on twitch there was a nice voting option but if we're doing youtube and twitch might be a little dicey so we'll have to tell people ahead of time they want to vote they got to get on twitch regardless appreciate you guys being here have a good night thanks for stopping by and go browns go browns